The elders must be ready to exhort. They must be ready to refute. And they cannot do this unless they continually, habitually hold fast the faithful word. Right? It can't happen. An elder cannot perform his duty in the church unless he is a man of the word. It's an absolute prerequisite. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, your message today talks about exhorting one another with sound doctrine. For those who may not have a clear understanding of what exhorting means, help us out. You know, Dave, the concept of exhorting is fairly simple in its definition. It means to come alongside and speak. And yet, what does that mean in the context of the body of Christ, especially for leaders? Today, we're going to find out from Titus chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verse 9. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, today's message is one you'll want to share with a friend. Just tell them to visit etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. They'll find today's broadcast, as well as a host of other archived broadcasts waiting there for them. Our web address, again, is simply etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Well, as I mentioned last week, we live in dangerous spiritual times. We saw in 2 Timothy chapter 3, as the Apostle Paul said, that imposters would proceed from bad to worse. And we see in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus spoke of false prophets, that we would know them by their fruit. And we see these days, unfortunately, the fruit, and we'll see today in contrast to what godly leaders should look like, the fruit of ungodly leaders. I was looking at a website for a church a few weeks ago, and they said, we want to describe our church by identifying with coffee. Coffee is what identifies as the best. It's a little pick-me-up, and when you're gone, you'll feel better. And all these little cliches about coffee, and I thought, this is totally wrong. This has nothing to do with God. This has man's wisdom to try and do God's work. We see the fruit these days of bad leaders. We see the seeker-sensitive movement. That's fruit of bad leaders. We see 40 days of purpose. That's fruit of bad leaders. We see coffee cup churches. That's fruit of bad leadership. We see business model marketed evangelical churches. That's fruit of bad leadership. And we see the fruit in the midst of those churches where you can't tell a believer from a non-believer. The sermons mirror worldly wisdom. People look to be served rather than to serve. And when all is said and done, sin is coddled, and Christ and the all-sufficiency of His Word is subtly put on the back burner and dethroned. These men have crept in unnoticed, but we see in Jude that there would be those who would come against the faith. And there are those who are contending earnestly for the faith, but in these churches and these situations, they are ridiculed and persecuted by these so-called evangelicals. We have these days an epidemic of extreme proportions in leadership in many churches. We have an epidemic of unqualified, ungodly leadership that does not, as we saw last week, hold fast the faithful word. They hold fast, as I've mentioned, to methods. They hold fast to programs. They hold fast to many things, but not the faithful word. They hold fast to this book or that book, but not the faithful word. 
They hold fast to doctrine, but not sound doctrine, as we will see. And as a result, sound doctrine is exchanged for ear-tickling doctrine. Now, as I talk about doctrine, some of you may not know what doctrine is, but many in the church do not know what doctrine is. And we're going to look at that today. And there are many churches these days led by leadership who want to de-elevate doctrine. They want to say, well, we don't really want to have doctrine. We just want to relate to Jesus. But unfortunately, as we will see today, there is unsound doctrine and there is sound doctrine. And the unsound doctrine is propagated by unsound leaders. And godly leaders propagate and exhort and refute in sound doctrine. And I believe today we're going to see in the last qualification for elders, the first half, that elders must be those who hold fast the faithful word in order that they would have the ability to exhort in sound doctrine. And even exhorting these days in church is a bad word. People don't want to be exhorted. I tell you that when someone is exhorted, they usually get upset at you if they're not following the Lord, to be honest with you. I'm not talking about an exhortation from man's wisdom, but from God's word, as we will see today. So with this in mind, we're going to see again qualifications for elders, what all of us should aspire to, but these qualifications for leaders in the church. And would you turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 1? And we're going through, again, the book of Titus. And we've come to the last portion on leadership, the last requirement for leadership in the church. It has to do with elders, overseers, shepherds, pastors being able and having to continually hold fast the faithful word. And we saw that last week, that that is a mandatory requirement for leadership. They must be continually, habitually holding fast the faithful words. And today we're going to see the first of two things, two reasons why they must be doing this, two reasons that God says must be happening in the body of Christ, two reasons why your leadership and every leader in a godly biblical church should be holding fast the faithful word. Again, would you turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. And we've seen the Apostle Paul writing to Titus. And we've seen the first real issue in the book of Titus' leadership. He says in verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. We've looked at the issue of eldership in depth over the last month or so. We've seen that the church, through many different passages, is to be led by a plurality of elders. We've seen that the terms overseer, elder, and shepherd are used synonymously in Scripture. We've looked at the responsibility of elders, and God hasn't left us in the dark. There's no believer who should say, I didn't know what my leadership was supposed to look like, because God has given this freely for all of us. We've seen the responsibility of elders. We've seen in different passages, including Titus, that godly leaders and elders work hard in the Word. They oversee, they protect the incredibly valuable flock purchased with the blood of Christ. They admonish with the Word. They teach the Word. They preach the Word. They oversee the souls of those in the church, and they will give an account. We've seen that they need to be mature men who protect the flock, who speak the truth in love, who warn you of threats and false teaching, as we will see next week, who confront you in your sin for the purpose of restoration, who will answer your questions and concerns, pointing you to the all-sufficiency of Christ alone as revealed in His Word, as we will see today. And then we saw the responsibility of the flock to its shepherds to appreciate them, to get to know them, to highly esteem them, not because of their personality, but because of their work. They're giving the Word of God. They're protecting the flock. 
there overseeing the incredibly valuable flock of God. And then we saw the qualifications laid out clearly in Scripture. We saw the qualifications for elders in relationship to their families, to their wives and their children, to be one-woman men, to have their families in submission, their children with all dignity and respect, managing their households well. We saw the qualifications in terms of their character, their inward character, which would manifest in their outward behavior. We saw the things that elders were not to be and the things that elders were to be, and we'll review that in a minute. And lastly, the third qualification, which we began to look at last week, was how they handle the Word of God. And I tell you right now, if you're looking for a church, that should be one of the highest questions on your list. How does this church, as led by the elders, as under-shepherds of Christ, handle the Word of God? Because everything else will stem from there. So with this in mind, would you turn your Bibles again to Titus chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verse 9. And again, I want to encourage you and exhort you that if you're thinking, I'm not an elder, this doesn't apply to me. This is written to everyone here, ultimately. It's for all of us. It's for all of our understanding. Certainly it is directed at elders in this portion through Titus, but we all need to know what good leadership looks like. We are going to be under good leadership. If we are believers, we're going to submit to that leadership And God doesn't want you to submit to ungodly leadership. He wants you to submit to shepherds after his own heart who will lead you and feed you with his living word and protect you because he loves you so greatly. Okay, so back to the qualifications for elders. First of all, elders must hold fast the faithful word. And I believe we're going to see today elders are required to hold fast the faithful word so that they can exhort with the word in the context of sound teaching. Let's get back to verse 5 and I'll read it through verse 9. For this reason I left you in Crete that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not a addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. All those things we've looked at, right? They're Christ-like characteristics in the family, Christ-like characteristics inside which manifest in their lives. And then verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able both to exhort and sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. Again, remember we looked at in depth last week the phrase holding fast the faithful word. We saw last week it does not stand on its own. It's a participle. You can't just say a phrase holding fast the faithful word. It's connected back to verse 7. Ultimately the verb that we see, he must be, and then these nots, what he must not be, what he must be, and he must be holding fast the faithful word. It is an absolute obligation that elders are those who, as we saw last week, continually, habitually hold fast the faithful word. And we look throughout Scripture to see that God is faithful. Throughout Scripture, His faithfulness is proclaimed, and we are to proclaim His faithfulness. And God's word is faithful. It is trustworthy. And elders cannot be those who do not believe God is faithful, believe His word is faithful. They must hold fast and cling to the Lord, ultimately holding fast to His faithful Word. If they don't do that, if they hold fast to methods and programs, if they hold fast to all those other things I shared earlier, rather than the Word of God, they're not qualified. This is an absolute qualification. And if I was looking for a church, I would be seeing, besides those other qualifications, how do the elders relate to the Word of God? Do they hold fast continually 
the word of God. We saw it means cling tightly, hold to oneself, cling tightly. And ultimately, this is an evidence that one is mature in the faith. For all believers, if we hold fast the faithful word, it is an evidence that we are holding fast to Christ, that we are believing what he said. It is an evidence of spiritual maturity. But why should elders specifically hold fast the faithful word? Why should they? Our passage is going to give us two reasons today. We're going to look at the first, Lord willing. It says, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. We looked at that last week. And then here we go. That he may be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. That, the Greek conjunction hinna, it means in order that. It speaks of a result or a purpose. In order that or so that. So that two things, he, again, we talked about it, elders or men, no need to go through that again, but one more proof, that he may be able to exhort and refute sound doctrine. We see here ultimately two reasons, both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Now, one question before we get into this passage, is he speaking of two different groups of people or is he speaking of one group? The bad guys he'll talk about later where you've got to exhort them and reprove them, those who contradict. Or is he speaking of two different groups? Elders need to be able to exhort in basically one group and then refute those who contradict. It's a good question. I think from the language in the Greek and also what we see in English, he's speaking of two different groups here. Both to do this, to exhort and it even says also there in the Greek, both to also exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. I believe it's two separate groups, even though those things can be done with both. I believe that's the intent of this passage, as we will see, because he goes on in verse 10 to speak just of the contradictors, the rebellious men, and I believe that's what he's talking about. Okay, so first of all, we're going to look at this first area today. We're going to see ultimately that holding fast the faithful word is the basis and prerequisite for any exhortation. No elder can come alongside the body of Christ in any way, shape, or form and exhort them apart from holding fast the faithful word. It says, holding fast the faithful word. It's a mandatory requirement that he may be able to both in two things, we see. Now this phrase, he may be able, consists of this first Greek verb translated he may be. It's in the subjunctive mood. It's the possibility. It's the mood of possibility. It might happen and the need might arise that he may be able. And then we have the adjective dunatos, which comes from dunamis, basically where we get our word dynamite. It speaks of the power to do something, the ability to do something. It's used in the context of Scripture to describe something mighty or strong or strong enough to do something. It even actually talks about and is interpreted in some passages as possible in contrast to impossible. The ability is fully there to do something. And I believe that's what he's talking about here. The elder must hold fast the faithful word that he might have the inherent ability, all in the context of trusting Christ, right? The inherent ability, power or strength to exhort in sound doctrine. It's got to hold fast the faithful word that he would have the power, strength, or ability to exhort. It's connected together. We can't see the two apart. Obviously, the point here is that when necessary, exhorting in sound doctrine and refuting those who contradict can only happen, can only be done 
They can only have the ability if they are continually holding fast the faithful word. If they let go of the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, they can't exhort in sound doctrine. It is impossible to exhort in sound doctrine. And in a little bit, you're probably saying, well, what is exhorting? And we'll talk about biblical exhortation in a minute. But in simple terms, elders must be ready to exhort. They must be ready to refute. And they cannot do this unless they continually, habitually hold fast the faithful word, right? can't happen. An elder cannot perform his duty in the church unless he is a man of the word, right? It's an absolute prerequisite, absolute prerequisite. We want to look at this idea of exhorting in sound doctrine, but never separate it from the fact that they are holding fast the faithful word. It's together. It's got to be there. If someone isn't holding fast the faithful word, they cannot exhort in sound doctrine. Now, he's not saying he must be a seminary-trained man to exhort in sound doctrine. He's not saying they must have gone through a course on how to be a pastor to exhort in sound doctrine. He's not saying they have to have so many years of experience in the pastoral staff to exhort in sound doctrine. What he's saying is that they must continually, habitually hold fast the Word of God so that they will be able, have the power to exhort in sound doctrine and, as we'll see, Lord willing, next week, refute those who contradict Now, as we continue, we're going to take a look at what biblical exhortation is because I don't think we understand that completely. It's a broad term in Scripture, so I think we need to understand what exhortation is and specifically what biblical exhortation is. So let's take a look, first of all, at this idea of exhortation defined. This word in our passage to exhort, this verb, is parakaleo, and it's a pretty common word in the New Testament. Para means alongside. Kaleo means to call. To call alongside. In its very basic meaning, it means to call someone alongside closely and to share with them. It's translated different ways. The God of all paraklesis. It's translated comfort, encouraging, urging, entreating, exhorting, imploring, all in the context of closeness. It carries a wide range of meaning. You have the idea of comfort in here. You have the Holy Spirit who is the paraclete. It's kind of an offshoot of parakaleo. He's the helper. He calls to one side and he encourages and helps through his word, right? The paraclete. But here we have this idea of comforting, encouraging, urging, entreating, exhorting, imploring in the context of closeness. Now the idea of comforting and exhorting or urging or imploring seem to be kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. But I think we can understand this idea of comfort and encouragement as being the right response to being exhorted and entreated. You see, when a believer just takes the Bible's exhortation to heart and believes that they are comforted, There is a comfort in accepting what God says. It does come together. When someone calls you alongside and shares the truth and there is a response, there is a comfort in that. And we can see how these meanings kind of cross over. The God of all comfort is the God who comforts by calling you alongside and speaking His gracious and wonderful truth to you. True biblical exhortation ultimately is very encouraging and comforting to the one who receives it in humility. It's not very comforting to people who don't accept it. If you don't want to be exhorted in the Word of God, I'm talking about sound doctrine, not unsound doctrine, but sound doctrine. It is not comforting. 
we kind of have a little joke about some of the fellowship we have here at times, the PCF, post-conviction fellowship, where we get convicted by the Word of God and we rejoice in that and there's joy in that because there's a right response in that. But I tell you, if you're convicted and you don't respond rightly, it is a dreadful thing. It is a dreadful thing to sit under the preaching of the Word of God and not respond. It is not comforting. But here we see exhortation has an idea of comfort in it also. So then elders must hold fast the faithful word so that they can exhort in sound doctrine. But what does that mean? Does it mean just coming along a brother and saying, you can do it, brother, or we're going to make it all the way, brother or sister. Hang in there. Don't worry. It's all going to be okay. Is that biblical exhortation? That may be exhortation. But is that biblical exhortation? Is that exhortation in sound doctrine? No, it's not actually. We'll see. I believe what biblical exhortation is as we look at some passages in the Word here. So let's take a look. And I believe that biblical exhortation always involves the Word of God. You say, how can you say that, Greg? Now, certainly it comes in the context of men sharing, but the Word of God is encapsulated in what is shared. You say, how can I say that? First of all, our passage demands this interpretation. The very passage we're studying demands this interpretation. We see, first of all, holding fast the faithful word. Obviously, we talked about that. We went through what the faithful word was. It's God's word, his faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching that he may be able to. You can't exhort in sound doctrine unless you are holding fast the faithful word. It is implied that your exhortation in sound doctrine is based on your holding fast the faithful word, right? Does that make sense? But also there are a myriad, and I could go forever and I get these long lists and I prayerfully pray, what should we look at? But we have a myriad of passages in Scripture that speak of biblical exhortation, encouragement, and comfort in the context of the Spirit-inspired Word of God. Let's take a look at a couple of those. First Thessalonians chapter 2. We see the exhortation by the Apostle Paul and Silas, Timothy, those who are with him, to the Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 2 verse 11. He says, just as you know how we were, he's reminding them of the first three weeks he was with them. Paul was with the Thessalonians for three weeks alone. He shared the gospel and then he shared truth with them. He said, just as you know how we were exhorting parakaleo and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. This is Paul, the first three weeks of their salvation. Exhorting, imploring, encouraging. First three weeks. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. 
Greg, as we wrap up today's broadcast, how can we know if our elders are exhorting with sound doctrine? You know, in the case of really identifying sound doctrine, you need to be in the Word of God. You need to have your senses trained to discern good and evil. You need to be like the Bereans, examining everything carefully to see if it is so. You see, when we are taught, we need to be careful to examine from the Word. Is what's being taught being taught rightly? And God is faithful if we depend on Him and we examine with the Word of God to help us understand the truth. And if you find that you're being exhorted and it's not according to God's word, then you need to get away from that because what happens, man uses his own wisdom to try and help people follow Jesus rather than God through his word addressing our sinful hearts and and helping us to walk rightly with him. So with this in mind, if you find your elders are not men who are rightly handling the word of God, and I, I'm not saying about maybe making a misstatement here or there. I'm talking about not handling it rightly. You need to get out of there because you are in spiritual danger. And you need to find a church that has godly elders who handle the word of God rightly, who exhort and refute in sound doctrine in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints.